You're involved in the provision of healthcare in the way. Um, during the course of this afternoon, we'll be talking a bit about heaven in healthcare, um, which is basically to enable anybody, any Christian who works in the realm of healthcare, to release heaven on earth. So, just to get your uh, imagine running on that, I just want you to imagine your local hospital. Got that in your brain? It's not too tricky. Got a local hospital. And then I want you to imagine that Jesus works there as a porter. Okay, what difference would that make to that hospital? Okay, so it's, not got, it's got no, nothing to do with qualifications. It's got to do with Christian presence in an environment that will literally bring heaven to earth. That's what we're doing with the World of Healthcare, and it's, it's a massive opportunity. I'll be talking about more of that. But if you want to find out more about that, then chat to us. Felicity, where are you? Felicity... I saw her a moment ago. She's done a runner. She's coming back. I hope so. Yeah, that's <laughs> so anyway, there's, there's a number of our, our team around, but um, Felicity in particular actually works with me to sort of do connections about heaven and healthcare. And we've got folks from Southampton here. who are, uh, So we've actually got uh, a group that we're sort of up and running in Southampton. And around the country, we're trying to develop groups of that around the country to equip and so, so we'll tell you more about that. So. Um, and Misty's going to come to you now. We're going to speak. She can talk about 10 minutes. She's going to give you some testimonies and a bit of activation. And uh, so she's part of our uh, environment at Eastgate. And then Sasha's going to come and she's going to tell you about basically what we're talking about, presence-centred. How can you be the, you know, uh, that connecting point of heaven on earth? Um, how can you be the presence of God on earth? Um, because you are. So, And we're trying to get... We'll also start to answer the questions of which I will do more of this afternoon, what stops that connection being effective? What, what, where, you know, where's the short um, circuits on that or what, what that stuff? So those are massive questions. I just want to get, you, get the idea. If you connect, it works. So that's, that's, the, that's the aim. Um, I'm not going to deal with all the white disconnects because that's, that's the negative side of things, just being aware that we will actually do it. But this is work. So Missy, do you want to come? Hi everyone. Hi Missy. Are we all happy to be here? Hey, Holy Spirit's gonna blow in this place. (laughs) Oh wow. It's such a privilege to to do this um, because I'm working out my stuff as well as talking about it. So it's kind of like really powerful for me. Um, And I have two testimonies to share. Um, One's about me and one's about somebody that I prayed for. And I'll start with the other one first before I go into me. A friend of mine rang me up. Um, She'd just been diagnosed with diabetes. And it had started affecting her in such a way that she was having it begun to affect her mindset. It began to affect her body. It began to affect everything about her. And I remember going over to her on a Saturday. I was meant to be picking up something. And I just thought, Holy Spirit. As soon as we walked in, the night before, she had sent her address. And I looked at the address, and I thought, hmm. I'd had a dream. And in the dream, I had that address. 
But I didn't know what it was about until I got to her place the next day. And as soon as I walked in, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is a setup. You know when the Holy Spirit totally sets you up? You just know that, okay, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not Janice, one of, my, one of my colleagues who's always ministering and healing people. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm working mine now, so what am I going to be doing? But as soon as I walked in and I looked at her, the Holy Spirit just said, time to pray. And I looked at her and I just said she'd had... She hadn't slept. She had swollen feet. She was meant to be catering um, for an event because she's a caterer. Swollen feet, swollen hands. She was looking really bad, really poorly. And I just thought, no, you can't be like this. And started to pray for her and just laid hands on her and just said, Lord, just come and touch her. Really touch her. Take away this pain. And as I was praying for her, I could see the swelling in her legs going down, really going down. And I'm like, and Holy Spirit said, more, just keep going. More Holy Spirit. Legs were going down. The headache she had subsided. And all of a sudden she goes, I'm going to get dressed. I'm going out. I'm going to a party. I'm like... (laughs) from this is somebody who could not leave she couldn't leave her house at all the second one is me many moons ago I fell ill and I was in hospital for six months um I was diagnosed with a condition called sickle cell from birth um but I didn't suffer from it I got to, and this is what I'm still working out, by the way, so I'd like you to pray for me as well when we finish. Um, We're all going to join up in faith and do something together. But I was in hospital for six months, and at the end of that, I couldn't use my shoulders, I couldn't use my legs. I came out of that hospital in a wheelchair, and... One of the things that the doctors have said to me is that if I didn't get, if I didn't have an operation, I'd be in that wheelchair for life. And so I was flown over. This was in Nigeria. I was flown over. And I had the first operation. I've had seven hip replacements um, so far. So I'm standing. And this is, this is why I said I'm working things out. God is really, really working. So for me to be standing here, God, just know that this is God. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, so <laughs> Holy Spirit. <laughs> My prayers, no pain, no more pain, because my shoulders sometimes play up and my knees and stuff. So I'm praying for the full whack of no pain and nothing else, even though now I'm standing, I mean, I can move about and everything. Um, So what I'd like us to do, that's my testimony. 
I'm standing here with you. And every single day, this is one thing that God has done. It's kind of like we all have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And sometimes we have things that plague us that don't allow us to use the Holy Spirit. But I'd like us to close our eyes because we're going to get activated in this. The woman with the issue of blood said one thing. What was it she said? If I could only touch the helm of his garment. What is it that is on the inside of you that you need to touch the helm of his garment for? So I'd like you to close your eyes. And say, Holy Spirit. I release myself unto you. Come. A lot of us are in here and we need healing. Some of us, we need healing in our bodies. Some of us need healing in our minds, emotions. Some of us have gone through devastation. But I'd like you to touch the helm of Jesus' garment today. Visualize Jesus right in front of you. Right in front of you. And he's calling you, my precious daughter. My precious son. And he's standing right there and he's saying, I love you. Your faith is not too small, not too big, wherever you are. And I just want to love on you and show you that I am God. So Holy Spirit, come. Oof. Holy Spirit, come. Oof. They're measures, they're measures that are coming. Oof. For some of us, it might just look like a little fire. For some of us, it might be embers that are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Holy Spirit, blow in this place. Blowing this place. Blowing this place, Holy Spirit. Blow in this place, Holy Spirit. Whoa. Blow in this place, Holy Spirit. Blow in this place. And while you're with Jesus, <laughs> while you're sitting there with Jesus, for some of us, he's carrying us. For some of us, he's hugging us. Oh. For some of us, he's kissing our cheeks. And for some of us, he's saying, you're so precious. Hmm. 
Jesus called. Sorry, the Bible says David was a man after the heart of God. <sighs> Is your heart. You are people after the heart of God. You are. So reach out and hold that garment and say, Jesus, here I am. And Jesus is giving you power today. He's releasing his power even into your bodies as you're holding out that garment. As you're touching him, he's releasing his power. Whoa. I can feel the liquid gold of God. The liquid fire of God. Whoa. Heaven is open over you today. Take what you need. 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 He's got so much for you. He, it's unending. Take what you need. Drink more. If you need to drink, draw it down. Drink it. Drink, 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 drink more. <laughs> Somebody's got their plugs in the socket. Eh? <laughs> keep going, keep pushing. I want to tell you, one of the things that will diminish your connection is you've, you become what I call the manifestation police. It's not, it's not up to you to judge how somebody else connects to God. Once you decided your judgment will, will stop your connection. If you're not comfortable with what happens when people put their fingers in the electric socket, then <coughs> get comfortable if you want to see more of heaven on earth. <coughs> so, Sasha, you ready? Time to move from what God's just doing in the room right now. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> I thought I knew where I was going to start. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, oh no, we're not there. Oh, <laughs> hang on a minute. We're down here. Oh, there we are. <laughs> this is a... Um, 
Yeah, so uh, John 7, 37 to 39, we talked about it earlier on. Jesus basically at the feast, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. <coughs> There's a quote that I, I like. I, I've sort of mentioned it in the past, other places, that, that John G. Lake, he said, Jesus didn't heal people to coax them to become Christians. He healed them because it was his nature to heal. We've heard about that earlier on. Pete talking about it being love. It's God's nature. He can't deny himself. There's an early church father, uh, Irenaeus, and he he basically said (coughs) that healing is a natural activity of Christians as they express the creative power of God given to them as members of Christ. It's a natural activity. We have a creative power (laughs) that's been given to us. And we get to express that. In 2 Peter 1, 4, it talks about that we share his divine nature through his glory and promises uh, and his goodness. We get to share his divine nature. So if this is a natural activity and we share his divine nature, then it should become a habitual thing. It becomes a habit. It becomes something that's a natural activity for us. Um, Something that's habitual is something that's done consistently and regularly. We heard Pete saying earlier on, God can't deny himself. He's in us. He flows through us. So this thing about healing is a natural activity and it becomes something that we can't, we almost find we can't stop doing, but it's not us doing it. And also this thing about healing is basically the expression of a relentless torrent of grace that flows from the heart of a good father. <laughs> Literally from the throne, there's this river, and, and from his heart it flows. And that's what we've got in us. That's who we have in us. That's what flows from us. That's the natural activity, the creative power of God that resides within us. This isn't something we have to make happen. This is who we are. So this whole thing about out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. When Jesus was talking about that, he was talking about it before he had gone to the cross before he'd been raised from the dead, before he'd gone to heaven. And he talks a little later about the promises of, of the Holy Spirit coming and Pete said everyone about receiving power. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. <laughs> I like the fact that we can drink. I never used to like that. <laughs> I actually really, really, really struggled with the idea of drunkenness. Um, 
I actually found it offensive. I, f- <laughs> I was really uncomfortable with the idea. And I, I had to have a bit of a conversation with God about it, and um, he kind of helped me. So um, I was reading through Psalms one day, and I got to Psalm 36, um, between 7 and 9. I'm going to read through it and um, just, just focus around some of the words on this. This is how God helped me deal with the drunkenness issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings, they drink their fill of the abundance of your house. And you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. It's great. When you start reading some of the words and start doing a bit of a word study around these words in Hebrew. So um, I'm not a scholar. I've just got a strong. <laughs> so I, I kind of had a look at some of these words. And to drink their fill means to be intoxicated, saturated, and drunk. <laughs> and it's interesting when you go on further on, and, and, and it says you... You're to give them, you give them drink of the river of... Uh, your, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. The river is torrents. It's not a little bit. It's not a little bit. And of your delights, that word, delights, can be pleasure... And that word is actually, the Hebrew word is Eden. (laughs) If you think about, see, we have a post-fall view on life. We don't know what it's like to live before the fall. We're getting a glimpse when we see heaven on earth. We get a glimpse. But there's a lot of stuff in the way that we haven't got that pre-fall concept of what it's like to walk in the cool of the day. And when you understand that he took man and put us in the center of his pleasure in Eden. (laughs) So as we drink, you know, we're saturated, we're intoxicated from the rivers of his delight. And it flows through us. It kind of settled the drunk thing for me. Jesus said, come and drink. So, like, what happens when you drink? Well, according to this, you get intoxicated and saturated and drunk. (laughs) And it's a torrent. And it's about his pleasure. In Matthew 6.10, it talks about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that word will... Your will can also be looked at and translated as your pleasure and your delight or your desire. And also <laughs> in Luke twelve thirty two, it talks about it gives your father great pleasure or it pleased the father to give you the kingdom. So what we're saying is basically when we're saying on earth as it is in heaven, or your will be done in this realm of healing, 
when we understand it's his nature and it's his goodness and it's his love and it's power, it's his pleasure. (laughs) It literally is his pleasure that we're releasing to the world around us. We're slap bang in the middle of his pleasure when we receive Christ, when we come into that place, we're restored. He's reconciled the world to himself through Christ. That actually means there are sons and daughters out there that don't know how good he is, that he's pleased with them. And one of the manifestations, when you look at the Gospels, often the way, the most common way that the, 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 the goodness of God was demonstrated was healing. As we said earlier on, there's 180 of us in here right now, slap bang in the middle of the pleasure of God. And we have this river of tolerance of delight that flows through us. And we get to express God's pleasure on this earth through healing. He's a good, good father. And it's his will that all are well. And if we have a concept of a God that doesn't allow for that, we need to change. We need to change the way that we think. And we need to hold our experience in the light of what he says and not what we have experienced where it falls short of what he says is is possible. And his standard. (laughs) He's so good. He's so good. I feel right now there's, there's almost... I can... There's, there's thoughts going through your minds right now about his goodness. What if he says he's good, he's good. That's it. It doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter what's happened. The fact is that he's good and we remain in his pleasure. I don't know. It, it's this sense of what does it look like to walk in his pleasure? What does it look like to actually fully comprehend that when we get to lay a hand on someone and release healing, we're releasing pleasure into someone, his pleasure, his delight. His heart thrills when that stuff happens because it's a son and a daughter that's being a recipient of his love and grace, even if they don't know him, even if they never follow him. I reckon there's loads that for Jesus touched and and, and influenced, but they never followed that we know of. But it's unconditional. There's no conditions attached to this. I, uh, I have this thing like about the signature of heaven. The signature of heaven to me is love. Um, <laughs> the signature of heaven is love, and we are like this beautiful crafted pen in the hands of a good father. And it's the ink, of almost like the ink of his goodness that, that flows through us. His pleasure, his grace, this torrent of his delights that flows through us. And literally, as we encounter people, it's the signature of love over people's lives that's left. It's indelible. It cannot be removed. When you have been touched by God, you cannot deny the fact that you've been touched by God. You can come up with different ideas what might have happened, but it leaves a mark. And that's what we get to do in the peop- to the, with the people around us. So I often say it's like, you know, God at work. <laughs> it's God at work. If we're talking about our workplaces, um, I was talking about this the other day, and I had this thought, you know, actually not every single one of us will necessarily be in a workplace. So if you want to translate it into 
the place where we spend most of our time relationally, where we build those relationships, where people get to see us, where actually the challenge is, and I've been thinking about this more and more recently, who are you on a Sunday when you're in the, inside of walls, four walls of a church? And who are you when you walk outside of the church? Because I'm thinking that if we're two different people, then there may be an issue. That if within the four walls of a church, you can have no issues with regards to praying for people, prophesying over people, laying hands on people, and, and in this context, praying for healing. But yet when you walk outside of the four walls of the church, it's not something you feel comfortable in doing. Then it's just understanding it's the nature of who we are. He's in us. And so one of the ways that I, I kind of find more and more as you connect to him, as we abide in him and we drink, we get to release this stuff. It's actually that simple. The more we abide, <laughs> the, more, the more we drink, the more this stuff gets released. And if it's a torrent, then... By nature, it should just flow out of us. And I, I'm sure Pete's probably going to hit some of this later on, so I'm, I'm not going to go too far down this track. But if that torrent starts to become a little bit of a narrow trickle or a stream, then a lot of the time it's, it's our thinking that can get in the way. What we think to be true, what we believe to be true, are the very things that will get in the way. See, God wants out. <laughs> God wants out, and he's, he's far more capable than sometimes we give him credit for. <laughs> you know, he is God. Um, <laughs> where are we right now? Where are we seated right now? Yeah. So we're literally seated with him in heaven, in heavenly places, and yet, we physically, we're walking this earth. It's like we're heaven's feet on earth. That's what we are. We're heaven's feet on earth, bringing the reality and the presence of God into our everyday. So the question would be then, how is it that we get to, to release heaven? How do we get to do that? It's like we just sort of force it out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for you, but um, I, I kind of think it's just an intentional thing. We can be intentional in what we do. We can select the target <laughs> and release the power of God. We can leak. That's one of my favorites, just leaking. We can tell stories. We can make declarations. Um, do you want to have a look at your hands? Okay. We are loaded. <laughs> when you start to understand the presence, the glory, and the power that we carry, then you start to understand that actually we are dangerous to the enemy. We literally are dangerous to the, the uh, powers of darkness. And they don't want us to, or he does not want us to understand or fully comprehend how dangerous we are to him. 
It, it literally is the case that our hands are loaded. We carry the very presence of God. And we get to lay hands on people and we release the love, the power of God. In Habakkuk 2, 3, verse 4, it says that his coming is as brilliant as the sunshine. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Paul later uh, is talking uh, in 2 Corinthians and he talks about weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. And in Job 36.2, he talks about his hands being filled with lightning and hur- he hurls each at its target, causing it to strike its mark. <laughs> That's the reality of what we carry. That's the reality of the power of God that's, that's, that's within us, that we get to do this. It's literally, if you look in your hands, power resides in your hands. And you get to select the target. And you get to release the pleasure of God. You get to release the power of God. And you get to drive out darkness. See, Jesus has a high value for justice. <laughs> and injustice, in this case with healing, is sickness and disease is an injustice. It's, it's an absolute injustice. He's paid for it, and we get to bring justice into people's lives. Yeah. I, I have this thing about, I reckon more can happen by accident than intention when we fully understand who we are, whose we are, and the glory, power, and presence that we carry. That this, this habitual thing that happens as he flows out of us, that we hear more stories of, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> What do you mean? You you healed? Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah? I, I, I kind of almost have this sense that we get to hear afterwards where someone says, um, when you were around, this thing happened. I have um, a, a colleague at work, um, and funny, we're talking about the issue of blood. Uh, she effectively was having that issue. Um, and she was talking about it, and I said, well, you can't. I said, yeah, oh, would you like me to pray for you? And she said yes, and we, we had a bit of a busy day. And uh, I went back to her when she had a moment. And, uh, and she said, well, you can, but y- you don't need to. You've done it already, haven't you? <laughs> I'm thinking, not as far as I'm aware. <laughs> no, not as far as I'm aware. No, she says, whenever I'm around you, I just feel peace. Interestingly, actually, in that story, I think he, he says, now go in peace. And I've heard various teaching about actually the language around that is to step into peace. To step into a a reality, a spiritual reality. See, peace isn't... Peace is powerful. It talks about um, that soon Satan will be crushed under our feet. But also there's a a deeper revelation of the word peace within the Hebrew that actually translates something along the lines of the destroyer of the one who established chaos. (laughs) That's what we carry. We literally have the ability to destroy the one who establishes chaos in people's lives. So for her, there was chaos in that form. Peace stepped in, and she no longer had that issue. That's the reality of what we carry. That's the reality of who we are. Um, I've, I've the story I, I, I kind of I like telling this story because it's got lots of different elements to it 
Um, yeah, it, it, I, I call it bright eyes when I try and remember the story to tell the story. But I, so I work in a minor injury unit now. Um, but I, my background is my registration is as a paramedic and I was in the ambulance service on the road for 16 years. I've been in the minor injury unit for about I don't know, four or five years now. Um, and I didn't always believe this stuff. Quite the opposite. Uh, I didn't go into all the details, but I didn't always believe this stuff. And then a conversation with someone set me on a path about there's more than just being saved. There's more. There's kingdom. There's seeing his... Uh, his reality now. Anyway, so I'm at work one day and I worked as a paramedic practitioner and what that basically meant for me in this situation was I was sent to a lady that had a, um, a water infection. The crew saw her and felt that she was safe to stay at home and I would go and uh, probably give some antibiotics and work out a management plan for her. As it happens, she was a little bit more unwell than the crew had realised. Um, so I, I go in and she, she walks ahead of me and then she ends up falling to the floor. So now I needed someone to come and help me pick her up and also she'd need to now go into hospital. So um, I'm sat down and she's sort of sat on the floor there uh, and she looks at me and she says, I've got healing hands. I, think, Ooh. <laughs> I said, oh really? Um, I asked her the question, where does that power come from? And she said, oh I don't know. So I took the opportunity and I, I, I kind of said, oh, do you know, do you know who God, do you know who Jesus is? Do you, and she just went, oh, Jesus. And from that moment on, she couldn't look at me. Now, I'm a bit perplexed. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on at this point. And I'm looking at her and I say, well, well look, are you all right? Look at me. And she said, I can't, I can't. I said, no, no, look, look at me. Look, I can't, I can't. It's too bright. It's too bright. I'm thinking, I think I've read about this in a book somewhere. I think I know what this might be. <laughs> thinking, okay, what have I read? How do I deal with this? Okay, so I said, look at me. I can't. I said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Betty. Now, Betty, look at That's not her name, by the way. Betty, look at me. And she looked at me, and the next words out of her mouth was, I need Jesus. And in that moment, she received the life that Jesus had to offer her. Pain left her knees. She afterwards, she described this black thing flying off out the window. The crew come and pick her up. And as she's being pushed into the back of the ambulance, she says, I need to be christened in water. So it's, like, it's like the book of Acts. It was like, oh my gosh, this is the book of Acts. So yeah, actually on that note, can you turn to Acts for me? Um, yeah, Acts 29. Yeah, Acts 29. Sorry? Acts 29. I've got my Bible. I haven't got it here. I've, Acts 20, I've written Acts 29 in there. The story. Yeah, I've, I've written Acts 29. The story continues. But that's the point. None of this died out with the apostles. <laughs> this continues today. It goes from glory to glory to glory. It grows and the manifestation of his presence grows in every field and every realm and every sphere. We get to see this stuff manifest everywhere we go. So in the realms of healing... I don't, know if you, I don't know if you want to do that. Get a pen. I don't know how you're about writing your Bible. I think it's great. Scribble all over it. Acts, 
Acts, Acts 29. It's brilliant. The story continues. Oh, I'm aware of time. What, um, what sort of time are we looking at, Pete, on this? It's quarter past 12 now. A few stories about just sort of leaking. Okay. <laughs> Within the context of a minor injury unit... Um, it is possible to pray for people. It's a bigger subject than I'd be able to talk about now. There's a couple of us around that could, if you really want to know about that, and I think Pete will probably hit on some of that later on. But just take it that you can if it's done wisely. Um, but in these instances, I didn't. <laughs> so cool. Um, <laughs> so I had this gentleman walking in, and he was hobbling in. He looked in a lot of pain. And it actually wasn't a physical injury. It wasn't actually something I was necessarily going to be able to help with. And he sat down on the chair and we talked a little bit and we talked about um, potentially what he might do about this issue. And I just finished sort of talking to him about this and I said, you know, what, what did you think? He said, well, actually, I feel better now. I said, okay, all right, so, okay. So he, he gets himself up and he walks off down the corridor and he's walking normally. <laughs> but the thing is, for me, I sat there and I didn't immediately think, I don't know what I immediately thought, but I'm looking down the corridor and I'm thinking, you weren't doing that before. Then... Um, yeah. <laughs> I've had a similar thing happen. Um, uh, do I, don't I, with this one? <laughs> yeah, um, I had a guy come in and he, he had been waiting in the waiting area and he'd had a, a problem with his forearm and he was in pain. And he came in, he was sat there for a little while, we're chatting, and he starts prodding and poking his forearm, trying to show me where this pain was, and it's no longer there. (laughs) So, you know, this isn't something I've prayed for, but they're coming into our environment. They're coming into the atmosphere of heaven. They're coming into his presence because we're there. Um, But some of the fun ones that that I've had is, is people experiencing God's presence at work, uh, a lot of times these, these, these Christians, and, and there was one particular lady that came in and she had a, a spring harvest lanyard on. She's a teacher and uh, she got a problem with her toe. And um, she, uh, I think she'd had a fractured toe and it was still causing her a little bit of a problem. So we're doing everything I needed to do. And then I just noticed the lanyard and said, oh, you know, spring harvest. She said, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. And so we ended up having a conversation around that and... Uh, we just started talking about stories and started talking about, uh, if you want testimonies, started talking about the goodness of God, started talking about what we'd seen Jesus do. And as we did, the atmosphere within the room changed. And this is what I love. I love that when you start talking about him, it's like the whole of heaven just stops and leans in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether that's possible, but I imagine when you start talking about him and start talking about the stories of what you've seen him do or just him, just Jesus, just start talking about him. It's like he shows up. It's like, I just imagine sometimes like all of heaven stopping and leaning in, like the angels going like, oh my gosh, they're talking about him. They're before him all day. They're before him for eternity, just holy, 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 holy. And then there's kids on earth that are just going, have you seen what God did? Like, oh, he's talking about him again. They're talking about him. So that's a sense of excitement in the room was building. The woman realised that her toe wasn't hurting anymore. And she started talking about Toronto, which I thought was quite funny, a play on words. So anyway, so she, 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 it was quite amusing. 
she sat there on this sort of bench and she lifts her foot and goes, my toe doesn't hurt. And then she said, but this feels like Toronto. <laughs> and now we have a situation. Now, I, I didn't actually experience Toronto. I, I got saved a long while after. But we now have this experience of laughter and, and sort of everything else that's kind of going. It's heaven's showing up. And my abiding memory is, is of her toddling down the corridor, almost bouncing off the walls. <laughs> And me having to shut the door for about five minutes before I could call someone else in because I, could, I just couldn't pull myself together. And then a similarly another story um, of my colleague. Uh, so where I've worked previously, um, my, my colleague, uh, my friend of mine actually, she now, she now leads the unit, um, she became a Christian. And then someone else sort of popped up out of the woodwork and said, well, actually, I'm a Christian. And we started having these discussions, and people gradually were just talking about who we are and what you could expect to see, and people just getting excited about Christianity because of the reality of heaven in their lives. So one day, uh, we have a patient come in, and uh, she comes in with a wheelchair. And it turns out it's my colleague's friend who used to be a chaplain. So um, do what we need to do is necessary, and then offer to pray. And my colleague came in friend. Well, it ended up with, um, I think my colleague ended up having to lie on the bed. She couldn't get up. <laughs> and then the friend actually pushing the wheelchair out because she was fine. I think she had an ankle injury. But what was really lovely about that was we were able, as, as colleagues, as people, more and more people are sort of getting to understand of who we are and what we are and what we can expect to happen. It's not just one person it's another person and another person. And what you start to see is people coming out of the woodwork, finally finding, finally finding out who we are. It's like the bride. See, the bride isn't confined to the church and the four walls. Yes. The bride is everywhere. The bride's in the workplace. And eventually what happens is the bride is discovering who she is, the fullness of, of God manifest in her. And that just comes out. And in my context, that comes out within the NHS. So that's kind of that's kind of all I have to say. There's more, but I'm not going to do any more. So yeah, I'm, Isn't that good? yeah. Isn't that good? Um, just before you go, <laughs> we've got a, we have literary stores. This is happening all the time for us. Okay, it's not not it's not because we're amazing. It's because he is, and actually we've learned how to connect and enable people to connect. So so this is just an out overflow of what the life that's in us. And I think it is fascinating to Sasha that actually that you got your colleagues say, oh, it's that thing you do, isn't mm. it? Because oh, oh, sometimes you're surprised. Yeah. We had a story that she's surprised. And they say, oh, no, it's just that thing you do, isn't it? So, so isn't that good? Yeah. This is the thing we do. Do you okay, want me to tell the story? No, we, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll probably move on. So, uh, so there you go. Was that exciting? Yeah. Toronto. That's funny, eh? Toronto. So, <coughs> you have the Holy Spirit inside you. Fantastic. He doesn't find it difficult to do miracles. <coughs> he likes doing them. He loves the world. And he likes touching people. So, <coughs> where's Sarah? You can come up now. I'm going to talk about it. It's you now, isn't it? I'm getting the right order. One of the things that, that we want to tell you is we try, try and highlight some things that actually... Uh, prevent connection and as I said earlier one of the big things is 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 disappointment and until we hit a hundred percent record on healing then you will face disappointment yeah 
So, um, so the question I want to ask, are you willing to face disappointment and overcome it? Because you will need to on this journey. Yeah. And it's, it's a regular thing. So, so has God given us stuff that helps us overcome disappointment? We'll talk about more about that in detail. Um, but Sarah's going to do something about that now. Anyway. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon now. <laughs> um, so I want to start with a story. We're big into testimony, as you've t- already probably gathered. Um, a few months ago, I was in a church and I was praying for a friend who had severe spinal pain from arthritis, particularly in her neck and her low back. And uh, I just asked Holy Spirit to come and Holy Spirit came in a powerful way. And very soon afterwards, she tilted her head back as she just went into worship. And I left her a few moments because I knew she couldn't really tilt her head back because she hadn't been able to move her head. And I pointed out that she'd done this and she opened her eyes in surprise and she went, oh. And she just just felt the relief that God was bringing as he healed the pain in her neck. And she had, I got my hand on her lower back and she had all this heat going up and down her spine as God was moving in her. But for me, the lovely thing was all the grayness, all the furrowed brow, all the sort of look of constant chronic pain on her face just drained away. And this light and this joy and this hope and this peace just oh shone from her face. And she, if she was younger, she probably would have done a hop, a skip and a jump back to her car. Um, she walked normally, but um, she went back home a different lady than the lady that she'd arrived as. Now, that's... One of the starts of my journey into actually seeing healing happen when I pray. I've been in disappointment for a long time. And disappointment is a big, big thing. I don't know how you feel. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh, that never happens when when I pray. Maybe you've been prayed for many times and not seen healing occur. Maybe you just sort of think, well, I'm really not sure it's going to happen when I do it. And we move down and further down and further down into disappointment. And disappointment leads us to places of despair, to doubt, to unbelief, even right down to offence. And we need to actively do something about it. And as Pete's already alluded to, if we're going to move in this journey of healing, and you're all here, so I presume you all want to do that, we are actually going to be disappointed at times. And Pete might well tell you more stories on disappointment, but disappointment is a part of life. So what are we going to do about it? Jesus has called us, his disciples, and told us that we've got the authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal heal every disease and sickness. So that's taken from Matthew 10. We have that authority. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to change the juggernaut from going in this direction to start going in this direction towards faith, towards hope, towards confident assurance. I'd suggest the first thing is that 
when we're living in disappointment, we look at our circumstances. We look at what's not happening. We look at the person who's still sick or we feel completely inadequate in ourselves. It's all about us and the situation here. So the first thing to do is to turn our, our eyes off of ourselves and look into Jesus' face. And as Pete reminded us yesterday, we don't always look in Jesus' face to get healing. We might look in his face to receive comfort or to receive hope or to receive his joy. But we also can look into his face to say, okay, God, I want to move forward in this. I want to move forward. I want to see breakthrough. And do you know, Jesus is smiling back. He's not looking back going, oh, you're pretty useless, aren't you? Oh, you know, you should have got this sus by now. No, he's excited to join you in the journey. And he looks back with a smile on his face and says, come on then. Let's do this together. But we're not waiting for instruction from Jesus. We are not servants and slaves. We need to know who we are. When we become Christians, we become children of God. That means we are royalty. That means we live in the king's palace. And that means we're part of his business. We are working with him not for him. And he delights in working with us. He delights in working with us. We start off with praying with people. It's already been spoken about, about the fact that we're not asking God to heal people. We're releasing heaven into people's circumstances. And Holy Spirit always responds. He always responds. He wants to respond. And so when he responds, he comes and he starts to do things. And one of the things we've learned to do is to celebrate the small things that happen. To not look at what's not happened, but to look at what has happened. And then there are other ways for us to start to grow our faith. Um, Pete's going to talk on hope, but we, we, there are ways to grow our faith. And one of the ways is testimony. And we use testimony a lot. We always have a good news culture. Good news culture, it actually builds faith. And testimony, the word testimony or witness, is um, the root word in Hebrew actually means do it again. Do it again. And Bill Johnson was, um, said recently, I heard him say um, that, um, just let me read this so I get it right. The testimony prophesies. This is who he is and this is what he does. And prophecy, when Jesus gives, a, when a word comes through us that's prophetic from God, it comes with the power to actually live that out. So if testimony is prophesying, then it comes with the power for it to be done again.
So if you're not in a situation where you can hear good news, where you can share testimony with one another, then you need to go looking for it. And there are places to look for it. Eastgate website, um, the Healing Rooms website, Bethel. There's lots and lots of places. You need to dig in and start looking at testimony and look at testimony with an open heart saying, God, yes, I want you to do it again. Let it build your faith. Be inspired by those who have greater breakthrough. Sasha, yes, she's one of my inspirations. There's another lady in our environment who's a great inspiration. You might hear about her another time. And uh, these people, talk to them. Go to them. Say, how did you get that breakthrough? What, just watch them. Listen to them. Just, yeah, follow them. We've got a, a, another lady in school in, in Eastgate, and she's great, and she gives us loads and loads of testimonies. Um, one of them um, that I particularly like, she, she went up to a, a gentleman in the road who was obviously a homeless gentleman, and he didn't look very great. And she went and said, are you okay? And he said, no. He said, during the night, somebody had tried to steal my suitcase, and as I was grabbing hold of it, they pulled my shoulder out of its socket. So he'd got a dislocated shoulder and was in a lot of pain. And she said, can I pray with you? And he said, yes. And just as she reached out her hand, she hadn't touched him. And she said, Jesus. He went, what the blah, 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 blah. I won't say the words. Um, and his shoulder was manipulated back into place. <laughs> So take testimony and say, God, do it again. So you've heard about someone's back being healed. And you've heard about someone's shoulder being healed. And if you've got back problems and shoulder problems now that God's not yet healed, you need to do what Pete has talked about and reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' robe with faith. And you will receive your healing. One. One. I'm on now. Thank you. Make sure I come off. Thank you. Sarah, Sasha, you Missy. What we're trying to show you is, is that um, we're just ordinary people. Uh, but with extraordinary God. And I don't say that just to... We're not belittling ourselves, uh, but I can't think of myself other than just an ordinary person filled with the Spirit of God, which doesn't make me ordinary. (laughs) Makes me extraordinary. And uh, and one of the the excuses I hear Christians... um, come up with is, well, we're only human. That's a lie. But it's, it's an excuse, really. And it's, I hear it times, oh, well, what, what, what can we expect? We're only human. That is, a, that is a fundamental denial of the gospel. And we need to get rid of that idea, I'm not just human. Now, I am a human being filled with the presence of God. 
makes all the difference. And uh, I'm amazed. You know, that still don't haven't worked this out yet. How he fits inside. Kind of a weird idea, isn't it? <laughs> Very metaphysical. It's it's the TARDIS, yeah. It's not even that. It's, it's, we have to understand that he's a spirit, and actually I'm a spirit. I'm a spirit who's got a body. I'm not a body who's got a spirit. It's, just a, it's quite an interesting difference. Yeah. The essence of your being is, is your spirit. So, okay, just I'll park on this for a moment. Have you got eternal life? Yes. And which bit of you is going to live forever? Spirit. This is a tent. That describes it. And once this tent has done its job, then it will die. But I won't die. This will die, and then I'll get a new body. Yeah? So that, no, that, that's just a straightforward little thing, just to, to help you out. So, so I am fundamentally in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm a spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit. So wh- where's my connection to God? Actually... Actually, in my spirit, it is completely connected. So I'm not trying to get connected. I actually am connected. So what would stop that connection being exhibited through my life? Well, actually, I have the challenge of my body and my soul, because I'm a spirit, soul, and body. And the realms where we really the challenge is actually we're we're transformed by the renewing of our (coughs) minds so actually what goes on in our minds is is the bit that that we have to tackle when when you were born again were you renewed or new new and this is another one of the Thoughts that is around a lot of Christianity that people think that God's going to sort of clean up, clean up their life. He isn't. You, you, you didn't have a problem in one sense when you came to Jesus. Um, we all had the same problem, which is we're dead. <laughs> dead in our sins. But he made us Alive in Christ. This is really important. It's, it's, it's just straightforward, fundamental Christianity that we, we deny that I'm alive in Christ and, and, and that life is eternal. So it is actually, the, the, if you just think of that, I've got eternal life, which means actually ooh, the limits are off. I don't have a limited existence. No, I do have a body. And Jesus limited himself in a, in a human, Jesus limited himself in a human body, didn't he? But he didn't limit how much of heaven could be could flow through that body. Does that make sense? So, um, I'm just, I want, just turn with me to, to the book of Ezra. 
I just want to put on something. Just leading up to lunchtime, I just want to sort of just throw out some some things that, that actually get in the way of our river flowing. Have you got a river inside you? Is it in full flow yet? No. We've got a river. And what the Bible says about rivers, actually his river, wherever the river flows, there is life. And what we have is life in all its fullness. I would suggest we're not yet enjoying all its fullness. So there's more to, 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 to enjoy. And there always will be, but actually... So, and I think sometimes we can say, well, we've got this bit, and this is life. And it is life. I'm not denying that's life. So you've got parts of Christianity expressed in your life, but there's a whole lot more to... to to discover it. And in the realms of healing, we've got a heck of a long way to go. <laughs> I'm not saying that, to, I'm just, it's a, it's a reality. So. Now, but what's also important is, is to register how far you've already come. And because, uh, you know, we are way, way further on than uh, we were 10 years ago. I'm talking about us as a church, um, but me individually as well. Um, and uh, so it's, 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 a, it's a big deal. But in the book of Ezra, now I'm just going to give you a sort of a brief summary of the book of Ezra. Um, so in, at the beginning of the book of Ezra, you get Cyrus, king of Persia, and basically God speaks to him, and it says in order to fulfill uh, the prophecy of, given through Jeremiah, so 70 years previously, prophecy of Jeremiah, return of the exiles, so there's <coughs> Cyrus, king of Persia, hears from God, and then he makes a decree that was, was, uh, for ho- his whole empire that any of the, the Jewish people who wanted to, who, who was in their heart, would return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God. So this, this is an extraordinary sovereign act of God on a pagan king, and not only did he say you have to go back, but actually he used, he said, all the resources that they would need for building that temple were to be released by people throughout his empire. It's not an uncommon biblical theme, you know. Actually, how did the, the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, how did they get the resources they needed to build the tabernacle? Well, it was from the Egyptians. So, so God is not short of resources, even human ones. He, is, he literally does own it all. So, so this, this is amazing. And, and then what the story is, they go back and, you know, they, the, the people who want to, and it says who's, it was in their heart to go. It's interesting. Because uh, uh, some didn't actually go. So actually when you get around to it, it's uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one of those who didn't go. Um, so it, they, people go back and then they start to rebuild the, uh, the temple and, and they're getting on with it. And you think, this is amazing. God has, God has started something sovereignly. And those, those who want to are, are obeying this call to go back. They're, they're doing the work of God with all the resources that they need. What's going to stop them? Yeah? What, what, what could possibly go wrong? <clears throat> and in, at the beginning of chapter 4... I want you to have a look at this. It says, The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached the rubber belt and the other leaders and said, Let us build with you, for we worship your God just as you do. Now, this is the first sort of uh, attack, which is of spiritual compromise. 
Um, so the enemies so basically they're saying, we, we, yeah, we're the same as you. And they rebut this, this, this idea. Um, but as Rubberbell, Jeshua, and the other leaders in verse 3, Israel replied, you may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple of the law, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. So they refused um, uh, what are called a contamination, a, a compromise of belief. Then the local residents, now this is what happened, so that the enemy didn't say, oh, that's a shame. Because what I want to tell you is when you want to take spiritual territory, you will face opposition. And we are, we are going for ground here in the realm of healing. We are absolutely going for ground. So it will be contested, and the enemy has got tactics. And, and it's quite amusing. It amuses me in the New Testament when... Uh, in the writings, it says, and we're not, we are not unaware of his schemes. I thought, yeah, most of the time we are. <laughs> most, most, <laughs> most of the time he catches us out. <laughs> so he has schemes, yeah? He is a schemer. He has ways. He's, and he's, but most of his tactics don't change. He's just got different ways of delivering them. So what it says here is that, okay, so the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. What two things do you see there? What, what two parts of the scheme do you see in that, that verse? Discouragement. Discouragement and fear, too. Discouragement, which you could put disappointment in that realm. Disappointment, discouragement, and fear. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. Okay, next enemy. What's the next scheme? Frustration, I would suggest. How many of you are frustrated? Frustrated. Not working. This healing lot can be a really frustrating story. Okay. Um, this went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until Darius, <laughs> until King Darius. It wasn't, wasn't just a short answer. It wasn't just, uh, the, the, if the devil is bothered, he will keep going at it. <clears throat> Years later, when Xerxes began his reign, the, the enemies of Judah wrote a letter of accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Next tactic, next scheme, accusation. He's the accuser. Now, I just want you to, there's four things there that have really, so there's discouragement, disappointment, fear, frustration, and accusation. Now, those four things are still extremely common tactics that are used against us. And you might even be able to identify those in your life right now. Got any discouragement? Got any fear? Not me, no fear. Um, how good are you at worrying? Got any anxiety about anything? That's fear. <coughs> go, go to the end, <coughs> towards the end of the chapter. The outcome, verse 24. So nothing can stop the Lord Almighty. Yeah, you don't remember singing that song? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yeah. Who 
can stop the Lord Almighty. The answer is you can. <laughs> yeah, we'd gladly, who can stop the Lord Almighty? And, 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 and he's going, unfortunately, you can. If you listened and give in to the enemy. Listen to this. And I remember reading this years ago. Years ago, I was reading this, I was just having a morning, reading my Bible, reading through the book, and, I, I was, I, and I'd gone through chapters one, two, three, thought, yeah, brilliant, sovereign work of God, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, the enemy comes, we'll, we'll, we'll see him off. And I got to the end of chapter four, and literally, literally, as I was reading it, this cry of no came out of my mouth, because I thought, this can't be the case. So the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped, and it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. And I've looked it up, and the historical record will show that actually that work came to a standstill for 14 to 15 years. And then in chapter 5, it restarted as the prophets got going. Ooh. The work of God came to a standstill. These things are still really, really relevant to us. And I try and make sure I guard myself from all these things. Now, they've got very straightforward counters against them, okay? How do you overcome discouragement? Yeah, it's very simple, encouragement. The word gives it... Discouragement means taking courage out courage out. Encouragement means putting courage in. So encourage, which is why we talk, keep on talking about testimonies, celebrate good news, we, we, we encourage you. We, and encouragement is actually a spiritual force and it's a spiritual gift that you can actually ask for in Romans 12. It's, it's, it's from heaven. Um, if you think you've got the gift of discouragement and you exercise it on a regular basis so you're, uh, and you love exercising it, you've probably coming from the wrong spirit. Okay? It, they, <laughs> Oh, it's my, it's, and this is, this is, this is, this is, there's so much I can say about this. See, so many people over my life have said, well, Pete, let, let's get real about this. Then, then when they, somebody says, let's get real about this, it's seldom to encourage you. It's usually to discourage you. Let's get real. Come down to my level of reality, if you don't mind. Let's get real. No, no, okay, yeah, I'll get real with you. I've got God inside me. That's my reality. How's your reality working out? Oh, your reality. And this is, this is it. Well, your reality. Oh, you just think you're only human. Ah, sorry, wrong reality. See, I'm not just human. Do you know who's the, who's the most important person you have in your life to encourage you? Any idea? The Holy Spirit's pretty good at it. The answer is you. So one of, one of the problems we have with British people is, is the art of discouragement, self-discouragement, and talk ourselves down. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an enemy tactic that is culturally enshrined uh, that has us enslaved. So I'm quite. I, 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 
my wife laughs at me a lot, so because <coughs> I practice self-encouragement all the time. So, so if I'm preparing a sermon, I say, "Wow, this is really good." <laughs> <laughs> and and oh, this, oh, this one will fly. So, and I, and I, I read my book. I'm because I wrote this. I don't know how many times I've read it. And <laughs> the other day, I was. I was, I was reading my book and I was, uh, a chapter in it and I said to Kim, this is a really good book. <laughs> now, don't you go, that chap's arrogant. No, no, I'm just being real. I'm also quite capable of knowing when it's not good and I correct it. But I don't, I don't measure on my failures, my weaknesses. I deal with them when I see them. A major on my potential. How about fear? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but love, power, sound mind. Those three things, which you can meditate on those. If you want an antidote to fear, perfect love casts out all fear, also power. Because if you don't believe you've got power, then actually you're faced with something, you probably will face some degree of anxiety and fear. If you're faced with somebody in front of you with cancer and you think you've got no power, it will, it will cause you... To, it's likely, fear is likely to knock on your door and, and, and get an entry point. Sound mind is the wisdom of heaven. I don't depend on human wisdom. I don't have a lack of resource. I have heaven to... And there's a big distinction between human wisdom and heaven's wisdom. We read about it in James chapter 3. And it contrasts them uh, and it actually says that human wisdom is demonic. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I'm just reading, I'm just, it's the Bible, I'm not saying it. No, it says it's demonic. James chapter 3, it talks about human wisdom. And it says, da di da di da and, and it talks, and one of the two of the things that it says particularly is selfish ambition and jealousy. Now I'm going to deal with some of those, self, particularly where I've spotted it in my own life and had to be absolutely ruthless. So I want to ask you, how ruthless will you be in getting rid of the stuff that will stop you? Or well, doesn't it matter that much, really? I am so determined to let heaven flow through me that I will be ruthless in my determination to make sure that nothing gets in the way, that nothing is going to cause the work of God in my life to come to a standstill. It's interesting, and I haven't got time to go into this, but that is, that is what happened in UK Christianity when it came round to the Toronto blessing. God started something. It wasn't Toronto, it was God. It was the way it was processed extinguished it. If you want to look around the world, at the, the people who are probably most affected in the world in terms of charismatic Christian, or many of them would be those people who stayed in the river. Accusation was rife around Toronto. You might even have joined in. I'm not saying you did, but you might have done. 
criticizing, accusing, oh, people making noises. Awful. I think if somebody's roaring like a lion, it might be because they believe they are. And they're exhibiting it. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 18, okay? Just, we'll slide into lunchtime. Got your attention now, have I? <laughs> Accusation, frustration, fear, discouragement, enemies. Encouragement, love, power, sound mind. Accusation, you need your identity sorted. Talk about that later. <coughs> okay. Um, and when it comes around to frustration, I think that has got various remedies that you need to apply to it. But in Luke eight eighteen, it says this, and I used to get really confused by this verse. Or, or I'm not sure I was confused. I just didn't understand it and, and couldn't understand it. I didn't apply myself to understand it because it seems so confusing. It seems unfair as well. Okay. So I want you. Can you just read this? Read the verse in, in, in to yourself, not out loud, before I read it out to you. Luke 8, read it to yourself, Luke 8, 18. Luke 8, 18. If you've not got a Bible, I'll, I'll rescue you in a minute, okay? Okay? It shouldn't take you long to read. How, how do you react to that verse? Big. Well, that doesn't look fair. Confused? Confusing, yeah, uh, yeah, confusing. Doesn't sound right to me. So, okay, let's read it out. It says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Yeah. Doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound like grace, does it? So whoever's got gets more, and whoever hasn't, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from you. That's, that's confusing in and of itself. <clears throat> if you want to understand that verse, you need to read the first sentence of the verse. Yeah. What's the instruction? Can it carefully how you listen. listen? How do you process what is put in front of you? Yeah. So... Every one of you in this room right now has been given some stuff to process. Yeah. We have told you some stories, some testimonies of healing, yeah. some reality. How you listen and process will determine whether you take hold of this and get more yeah. or whether you take a place where you dismiss it and you lose it. With most healing testimonies, there is the opportunity for offence. Because you will probably be able to think of somebody who hasn't been healed of that same thing. Maybe even yourself. 
So if you listen to the testimony and say, nah, because you're discouraged, fearful, maybe accusing, whatever, frustrated, then you lose that opportunity. And usually if you make that a lifestyle of losing it, you then become hardened to it in your heart. But right now you have an opportunity to take hold of it and start to believe it. Because it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, this verse will tell you that if you start to do that, it will grow. How are you listening right now to what's been put in front of you? Are you thinking, you know what, I've got something. Because if you do that, what you have will increase. But if you allow disappointment to nullify that, frustration. Also, if you need to understand it all before you take hold of it, then forget it. (laughs) It isn't intelligible. God doesn't make it logical. (laughs) He isn't very logical in my experience. So what I'm saying is actually, right now, I can't guarantee the outcome of this conference in your life. Only you can. And I believe you're here because you want to grow. So well done. Seriously, you wouldn't be here unless you were taking that first step of, or maybe maybe a continuing step of. So I want to say, well done, because I think you've engaged in this verse already. But there is the danger that even in this context, you can miss it. And it's not because God didn't give the opportunity to connect, it's because you chose to disconnect. And with that thought, we'll break for lunch. I say, I've got my book here. There's more of that. And to tell you about this book, this book is called Unwrapping Lazarus, basically because when Lazarus was raised from the dead, he wasn't free. He'd been given life, but he was still wrapped up in clothes that restricted him. So he needed to be unwrapped. And all of us are like that. We're alive, but we've got things that restrict us, that hinder us. What is, how can we get unwrapped in order to live the life fully that God has given to us. Anything we need to say? No, Heather? Just something practical. Let's give a round of applause, because isn't that excellent? (laughs) An excellent time. So we have an hour for lunch in which we can just do some business with the Holy Spirit about how we're listening and how we're positioning ourselves in the light of these testimonies and what he's already begun to do. We will restart at 2 p.m., so please be back in your seats. You are very welcome if you've brought a packed lunch to enjoy your lunch in here. Um, And maybe I recommend the sun's out, have a little stroll on the site and, you know, get some fresh air. If you're looking for where there's a local shop or somewhere you can get some food, 
on the table in the entrance area, there's some photocopies with some places, um, cafes, pubs nearby where you can. And there's a co-op. If you go to the traffic lights and turn left along the road there, there's a co-op where you can buy sandwiches. Please do be back in your seat at two. We, we've got some amazing things to do yet. And we'll see you then. God bless. <laughs>